3: I
0: just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the host of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. That's right, it's HopeNet Radio, Jeff, D.W.,
1: Kyle, and Todd with you guys tonight. Welcome to the show, you guys. It's good to be with you another week.
3: It's good to be here. It is good to be here.
1: And tonight we have our special guest, Kristen Jane Anderson, in studio with us tonight. And uh, we're excited to have you with us on the show again, Kristen. It's good to see you.
2: Thank you. It's awesome to be back.
1: And we do have another special guest. Mike Ott is with us. He's a youth pastor in the Green Bay area. And so I also want to welcome him to the show tonight. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. So tonight you can get on the conversation with us. Email us anytime on the show at Hope at HopeNet360.com or on Facebook and Twitter at HopeNet360 and also on our brand new Conversations Saves Lives blog at CSL.com. HopeNet360.com. And there you can send us anonymous messages, ask us questions that maybe you don't feel comfortable asking other people and you just kind of want a perspective on different topics. And you can also submit your story too. If there's something that we're talking about tonight that kind just kind of says, Hey, I've got a story there. We would love to hear it from you. So get connected. CSL.HopeNet360.com tonight. Also our website, HopeNet360.com is where it's all at. And you can find those links there. So guys, Tonight on the show, we've been talking about uh, if those who reach could touch. The idea is we're reaching for a lot of things in life. Every single one of us has goals. We've got some kind of desire in our heart that we're reaching for something. But it's it, it just seems like so often the things that we reach for sometimes feel like they're really way out of our grasp. Dave, have you ever had a time where you felt like there was just something you're reaching for and it's just it, it's just out of reach?
4: Like all the time. I mean, really, when you think about it, look at our nation. People know what to do so many times, and they might have everything in place to do it, but it doesn't happen. For example, you know, even on a national scale, we we know that it's not good to be in debt. We know how to get out of debt by not spending more than we make, but we can't get out of debt. It's like we don't have any traction for some reason. We we know the process, we know what we're supposed to do, but for some reason, we're not going anywhere. And and I think that describes you know me as a young believer. I'm in church, and I'm, I'm singing the songs, and I'm standing up and sitting down and doing all the right stuff. But all of a sudden, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, there's a quick story. Uh, one time, I, I heat my house with wood, which is a good winter to be doing that uh, this winter. And, and one time, I was out in the woods with this truck. It was a truck we got from Army Surplus, and I was told there's no way you could ever get this thing stuck. And so I was out there, and you probably know where we're going with this one. And, and it was all muddy. And I filled this thing. I found this old oak tree, you know, and I filled it with oak. And, and this thing was a beast, and it was heavy. And I tried to get out of there, and I buried all four of those tires, man. It, it was just resting on the, on, the, on the frame, and the tires weren't doing anything. I was so mad. I wasn't going to unload it either because that's a lot of work. So I, I ran home two miles, and I grabbed another truck, our plow truck with a chain, and I drove back out there. I'm all by myself now because I'm so stubborn. And I have all the power I need. I have all everything I need. I hook the chain up and I bury that truck. Now I got two of them buried. And I am just sitting there disgusted now. I am so mad at the world. And I don't know why. I'm the one making all the mistakes. But I'm mad at the world. And um, all of a sudden I hear this sound behind me. And this guy comes up with this monster four-wheel drive truck. He was just playing in the woods. He is throwing mud everywhere. The tires are about as tall as I am. And he's got a grin from ear to ear when he sees me. And, and he 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 pulls around in the in the woods, and I am just looking at him. he stops, throws me a chain, and he pulls both of them out. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable, just drags them right out of the dirt, and I thought, I need that truck you know I, I didn't need that truck, I needed more sense, you know I mean, the vehicles I had were not made really to do what I was doing with them, and I was so stubborn, I wasn't going to get help i I wasn't going I was going to get those stupid things out myself. I wouldn't unload. You know, the thing that was causing the problem was that huge load of oak. And I said, I'm not unloading that. I'm going to keep it in there and still get out. I really, there's so many principles in that story. I needed to reach out to somebody to get help. I needed to to look and assess things differently. Because the reason I wasn't getting traction was I was sitting in mud and and I was too heavy. And I mean, it's the way it was. And uh, if I would have unloaded that truck, I could have pulled it out right away. I, I just didn't want to take things out of my truck in order to get it so that I could move it. I wanted to leave everything the same, and yet I wanted a different result. And that's like beating your head on a rock, hoping you don't get a headache. You know what I mean? Th- that just doesn't work. So I think that's how we are a lot of times in, in our Christian life. It's not that we don't have the fuel or the vehicle or-, or even a good cause to get wood. It's just that we're not going anywhere. And, and some of us need to, you know, start looking for that outsider, a, a way to get better traction. Maybe we got to unload some things in our life. Does that make sense, Jeff?
1: Oh, yeah. It makes absolute sense. And Kristen, last week we had a chance to sit down and talk with someone who worked in the human trafficking industry um, for a number of years. And so it was kind of this idea that you know last week we weren't even reaching in the right direction. And I think this week as we move forward, there are some things that we've made some changes in our life. But as time has gone on here, it's like we're reaching and it seems like we're reaching in the right direction. But have you ever felt like you're reaching in the right direction, but you're still not you're still not going anywhere. There's something that you feel like is just kind of pulling you back.
2: Yeah, I know, especially as I was dealing with my depression and trying to get help, trying to get better, trying to get out of that, I always felt like something, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. I remember asking my counselor, am I ever going to be out of this depression? And she was like, I don't know. I can't tell you that. And I I remember just feeling very discouraged, very distraught because that's kind of what I was resting my hope on at the time, like just getting out of this depression. And mm. and the more sometimes I tried, it felt like I went backwards sometimes because I wasn't doing the right things and mm. wasn't reaching in the right places for the right help.
1: You shared your story back in November on our show, and so those who have not heard Kristen's story, you can go back and listen to the entire thing back in November uh, about her book. She's written a book called Life in Spite of Me, and uh, maybe just give a a short glimpse of your story with us.
2: Sure. I um, grew up about an hour north of Chicago. I had a great family, Um, but when I was a teenager, a number of things went wrong in my life. I lost a number of friends. Uh, My grandmother died, and I was raped, and that It took a huge toll on me. I really had no idea what to do or where to turn or how to get any sort of help. And I didn't know how to ask for help and humble myself in that way or anything. I spiraled down into a very deep and scary depression. I was skipping classes. I was skipping school. I was physically getting sick every day. So it was Mm. really bad. And I ended up attempting suicide by laying on train tracks near my parents' home about 14 years ago and i never thought i would live um the doctors and train engineers and everybody says i should not have lived um but i did i lost both of my legs as a result of my attempt I lost eight pints of blood, but God kept me here. And I am so grateful to still be here because he completely transformed my heart and my life and showed me the reason for living. He's given me so much peace and so much joy. And the reason I'm here today is because I just want other people to know him the way that I do. I want people to have um, that love relationship with God that they can depend on, that they can count on, and that Mm -hmm. they can go to no matter what's going on in their lives.
1: Yeah. Now, what were some things as you were growing up and you you talk about being... I know you were involved in your church. I know you were involved in mm-hmm. a lot of different, even community service projects, mm-hmm. and, and you were very passionate about those things. What kinds of things were you reaching for as you were growing up?
2: Well, some of the things that I always think about that I was reaching for as a kid was a value. I wanted to know that I was important. I wanted to know that I was special. Like a lot of young girls, beauty, perfection. The one, I thought that that would kind of be the answer to all my problems, meaning like the boy or the man that I could spend my life with. And acceptance. I think acceptance was a big thing. I think I made a lot of compromises um, just because I wanted people to accept me for who I was. I I feel like I wanted to be popular just so I would be accepted.
4: Hmm. You know, I I have some questions, and and I'd love to ask her in the next segment because I know we're running out of time for this one. But, you know, one of the things I'd like to to focus on is it sounds like you had your hope in all the wrong places. And I'd love to hear the, the transformation that took place to where you got your hope in the right place. And and that got your traction and got you out of this stuff. But I know that's for another segment. We're
1: going to take a break here on the show. Make sure to get involved on our conversation tonight. We would love to hear from you and hear your story, if you have a story to share about how you reached for something in your life and something just wasn't clicking. There wasn't that traction you needed. And you can message us at hope at hopenet360.com. Connect at csl.hopenet360.com. That's our conversation Saves Lives blog. And this is the show, our Conversations Save Lives. So we'll be right back here
0: on HopeNet Radio tonight. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and
1: Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. Jeff and DW with you tonight on the show. Make sure to get connected with us. You can email us anytime on the show or on the podcast at hope at hopenet360.com. We would love to hear from you tonight and have you involved on our conversation because, again, this is a show where conversations saves lives. And, Dave, the whole reason we do this show, people have asked, you know, what's the value to it? And the way that I see it, Dave, is there are a lot of families that I've heard from, there's a lot of students that I've talked to that said, I can't really talk to my parents about this stuff. I I don't know what to do with it, but... My parents are probably the last people I can go to. I don't really have an adult that knows what I'm going through in my life. And while maybe that's true for some, many parents that I've talked to have said, I wish they would just talk to me. Tell me how they're feeling. And so tonight, I hope this show would help you to have a meaningful conversation this week in your family's life. So tonight we're talking about if those who reach could touch. And tonight, Kristen Jane Anderson is on the show with us again, back for another time. And Mike Odd he's a youth pastor in the Green Bay area. Of course, Dave, Kyle and Todd and Jeff with you guys hanging out. It is really good to be with you guys again tonight. We talk about that, Dave, a lot, how we're looking for things. We're looking for anything really that's going to bring us that security
4: and significance in our lives. Hope is the key word that you said, Jeff. People uh, are destroyed for lack of hope, Mm -hmm. and and it's because their hope is in the wrong thing. I mean, we talk about significance and security, and, and we keep telling people the reason you can't find it is because it's a gift gifts you can't find. They're given to you. And it's important that you enjoy the gift of significance and security that God wants to give you. And as a young man, there were so many thoughts that went through my head of being just a defective person. And I didn't have anywhere to go with it. I knew my parents would love to hear it. And now I look back and think, oh man, I was living in this world that I created because I would not open up and talk to anybody. And I just suffered with it and, and yeah, I had great parents and a great brother. And, and eventually that was part of bringing me through it. But the truth of the matter is, I just was silent. It was like, no, this is my suffering. It's kind of like when I went out in the wood pile and I was trying to get that wood. I just did it by myself. You know, we have to include other people in our lives that love God. Mm-hmm. We, we have to talk. And there's many young men that are listening today. And, and I know this for a fact that just do not open up and talk mm-hmm. because that's not what we do. And, and there are some young ladies, the same thing. And, I, and I'm sure Kristen could verify that they just don't talk to the right people. So they're, they're all of a sudden holding all this stuff in their head. Uh, man, there are some answers. And, and I just want to reassure people, you can actually have real hope. You really can. Life can be meaningful, it can be significant, and you can be secure. And And I just want to throw that by, you know, uh, Kristen and uh, Todd and, and Kyle and even Mike, uh, is, is this something you see in your lo- own personal life and see in the lives of those around you? And how did you get out of the situations where you were just spinning your tires but going nowhere and really felt hopeless? I mean, eventually, Kristen, you laid on the tracks. I mean, it, there, there's something, though, that you know now that you didn't know then, and that's what we all have to hear.
2: Yeah, I think the thing that made a difference for me was after losing my legs, realizing that my life was just really turned upside down and this was my new reality, it just sent me searching harder and deeper than I ever had before for what was real, what was true, what could I count on, what could I believe in, what could give me a reason to move on and push forward. And I started praying more. I started going to counseling. I started going to church. And God just brought all these different people into my life to help me realize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I remember when I first read that verse in John 14, 6, just feeling like Jesus could not have been more clear. Um, and I needed to know the way to God, the way to truth, the way to life, and realizing that that was him and having a counselor who was so great at walking me through um, some of my past issues, letting me learn how to forgive myself and feel God's forgiveness more completely uh, helped me move forward in ways that I couldn't have done on my own, but it was my relationship with him day by day, letting him be my best friend and being the one I went to for help with everything. That gave me a reason.
4: You know, it sounds, it sounds to me like the reality, the real stuff, God, his real love for you, him understanding that that you're weak, him understanding your sin and still loving you. I mean, as you got the reality in line, you were able to get the hope where it belonged. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking, okay, someone's listening tonight Or on the podcast and and they're saying, man, I, you know, I don't have hope. I don't have anyone to talk to. You know, I don't think you're living in reality. I really don't. I think there's a dream world that Satan has created and and you've embraced it. You, You need to talk to somebody outside of your life to get to be able to see the elephant a little clearer
1: good news for you tonight. There is someone you can chat with anytime, day or night, doesn't matter what's going on in your life. There's a live coach waiting to chat with you tonight at HopeNet360.com. Click on the help button or the talk to a live coach button that'll take you right over to our page. And you can connect right now with a live coach and really talk about some of these things that really do matter.
5: For me in my life, just looking at my life, one of the greatest assets in my life are the people in my life that'll point me back to Christ and kind of give me reason because there's times in my life where I think all rationale is out the door and I'm not thinking straight. and when you have people in your life that can point you in the right direction, that's huge because you there are going to be times when you're not thinking straight. there are going to be times where reason is not your reasoning isn't logical, but when you have people in your life that love and care about you. And love the Lord as well. They're going to point you in that di- in the right direction, and I think that's extremely important. Well,
4: Kyle, what what, what I'm a young person, and I hear you and go, "Yeah, that's right." But I got nobody in my life. I am all alone. Hey, what do I do? Uh, find one. I, I look. What? Just walk on the street and say, "Hey, you." Uh,
5: that's. I've been blessed because I've been sought after more. So, right. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question.
4: Okay. Well, I, I, What do you think, Jeff? I mean, somebody is saying that that's nice advice. I'm all alone. I have no one to chase. Or, or, or Mike, you're a youth pastor. What do you tell a kid that says that?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, there's times in life where storms just come upon us. Uh, I call them storms. Uh, there's been many times in my life where things go wrong. Um, it, it goes wrong for every person out there. You know, uh, people people get divorced, uh, family members. Uh, there's death in the family. Uh, there's things that go wrong, and the storm's upon us, and we're just like we, we're sitting there drowning. And uh, a lot of times there doesn't seem like there's those people that are right there for us. Um, You know, I was reading this morning uh, out of Psalms 121 that God doesn't sleep. And uh, it caught my attention this morning because I was like, you know what? God never takes a nap while I'm sitting there drowning in my storm. And uh, though I didn't see people around me during that storm, uh, I look back a lot of times going through things and realize God sends the right people at the right time. Uh, We might be sitting in Starbucks and a person just comes up and starts talking to us. Maybe it's a kid at school uh, that just sits down at the lunch table, starts talking. God sends people in our life. Um, And I think that's an important thing that I called on this morning is the fact that God doesn't sleep. Even though we might not see him at work
1: during our storms, he's there for us. Young people are reaching out for help. And they're just reaching out in ways that we don't always realize, maybe as adults or even as the way that teenagers look at life. They're looking at what's going to bring them satisfaction and meaning and purpose and all this stuff. And it's it's oftentimes, it's really a, a me thing. It's It's about me. And this is something that I've had mentors that have showed me that have helped to bring me to the realization is that I'm not here for me and myself. I'm here for other people. And when I began to look out at other people, I began to see other people who were really hurting and really were like going through some stuff and they were testing to see who they could trust. And, and oftentimes I would just go and ask questions, you know, like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? And, and just kind of let them spill and talk. And oftentimes that's what teenagers will do. They go to their friends and they try to bounce off ideas. And obviously they have stuff they want to share, but they're not going to be comfortable sharing if they know they can't trust that person. So we did talk about trust a lot in the last few weeks, um, but that is always a key in, in relationships. You've got to be able to trust them.
4: Absolutely. You know, one of, the, one of the resistances in our lives, we think we're alone. And because of that, we, we do desperate things because we weren't made to be alone. And what's interesting is that some people are. If you're listening today and you don't have a relationship with God, you are alone at times. And you don't need to be because he doesn't want you to be. And, and you need to be able to come to God and say, God, I want to be in your family and you do that through allowing God to pay the price for your sin and the separation through Jesus Christ. And if you're listening and you're on that, that tonight, I, we invite you to contact HopeNet360.com and talk to a live coach. Say, man, I want to be in God's family. Help me, help me understand how to do that. Because that's the start. Some people feel alone because they are alone. And we need to stop that. And, and then on a human level, I, as an older guy, those that are younger, I need to seek those who are younger. And those who are younger that love God, they need to seek older people to be in their lives as mentors. And and I'm telling you, it will pay great dividends.
1: Get connected with us on the show. Email us your thoughts at hope at hopenet360.com. We're going to take a break here on the show. We'll be back here on HopeNet Radio.
0: We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us tonight on the show. Get connected anytime. Visit our Facebook page. If you want to get connected on the show tonight, we're at HopeNet360 on Facebook and Twitter. That's where it's at. Our website, HopeNet360.com. And, of course, if you want to email us, you can do that. Hope at HopeNet360.com. That's Hope. As in I need hope at hopenet three sixty dot com so tonight on the show jeff d w Kyle Todd are with us tonight, and also some very special guests in studio tonight Kristen Anderson is back with us again, and Mike Ott, youth pastor in green bay guys we we in our in our last part of our conversation we 're talking about hope and how we find hope, and again we 're talking about you know how we reach for things in our life we we come across and we try to find things that will bring satisfaction. They'll bring meaning and purpose in our life. And so we spend a lot of energy in search and in pursuit of these things. And Kristen, you have an incredible story of how there were things that I I think you believed you're reaching in the right direction for a lot of things in your life. I mean, you know, you've, you've shared you struggle with a lot of things, you know, finding significance in whether it's a relationship or it's just in making compromises to fit in with the right crowd. But I think a lot of times, you know, we get in ourself that we're not good enough or we're not we're not doing anything right. And that's a lie in itself, too, being an absolutist where you're saying, I'm not doing anything right. I'm sure you'd say there's things that you were doing right in your life. It was just a matter of reaching and, and getting towards the things that you found now that really mattered. And your experience, you were talking about in our last show that we had with you in November, the things you were going through were so painful. They They weren't getting resolved. They weren't fixing themselves. And it was like, you know... This isn't really worth it for me.
2: Well, one of the things, a huge thing that I learned was I I always kind of thought that, like, if I didn't want to live my life, I didn't have to. Mm. And through that experience and through surviving, I realized that suicide wasn't a choice. Um, that God alone gives and takes life, and that if I was here, I was here for a reason. There's things I was supposed to do here, and that there's things that God planned in advance for me to do. My life wasn't just something that I could throw away. It wasn't somebody else could throw away. No matter how many things were done wrong to me or how hurt I was, um, there was still a reason for me to be here, and there was a lot to live for. And I just couldn't see past my pain. I couldn't see past myself to realize those things. Nobody you know, was telling me even those things. Mm-hmm. I remember asking my mom, like, how do you do it? Because she seemed to have a pretty good life and always be happy. And she just told me, you do it. And she said now that she didn't realize how much God was carrying her. Mm. She thought that she was just kind of pulling it together, but he was really carrying her. And knowing that as a young you know, teenage girl would have been huge for me to just to know that I could lean into him and that I could count on him and seek him for help, um, in the daily situations I was going through. So that was a big thing that I learned also.
4: That's exactly what we're talking about. If those who reach could touch your mom loved you Mm -hmm. and your mom was going through something, but the communication didn't quite touch. I mean, it didn't make it for some reason. And, And that's what we're trying to encourage people to make sure that that, you know that that makes it if those who reach she was reaching you were reaching but your hands weren't touching in in, in an essence and and we need to get better at that parents need to get better kids you need to get better because when we reach out and touch each other and actually make it and actually touch it can make all the difference in the world
2: yeah i completely agree i always tell people to keep reaching for help until they get it don't ever give up mm-hmm. and for parents just be aware to the fact that your kids are definitely looking for answers they're looking to the point of life and why they're here and why they're special and why their life matters so
1: this is a really easy segue to, to talk about I mean your ministry organization reaching you
2: <laughs> well the title is something I just think that God gave to me as I was praying but it, it has a lot to do with um, I felt like if I was a person you know I obviously was but I I kind of put myself back in my own shoes before I attempted suicide I wanted a title that would reach people and and know that like this wasn't just for somebody else. It was for me. So reaching you, um, making it more personal, more individual um, is where that title came from, if that makes any sense. But I I really started the ministry to reach people who were hurting, hopeless, lost, suicidal and depressed. Mm -hmm. And I, I I I did that because those are the people that I can relate to the most and the people that I um, think I can minister the most.
6: Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking on the aspect, a lot of times, uh, we go through our problems our storms and, uh, we think we're the only ones going through it. And, uh, I've talked with uh, a lot of teenagers over the years and a lot of times they, uh, just focus on the fact that it's me going through the storm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times they don't realize that there are a lot of people out there that, uh, are going through the same things they're going through. I was reading uh, also this morning uh, in uh, John, Jesus was just basically uh, saying that we will go through trials in our life. Uh, He he doesn't promise uh, if we come to him that everything will be peachy, everything will be good, Uh, but he does promise that he'll be with us when we go through those trials. It's just a reoccurring thought that, you know, what you're going through as a person, there are other people that are going through the same thing. And uh, there's people that have overcome it. There's people that are going through it. There's people that you can encourage uh, down the road as you go through your storms and you learn things from it.
4: Yeah, you know, years ago there was a young man who used to work here at camp, and he was just a phenomenal worker. And uh, he was in charge of our dish crew, actually, and did an exceptional job. He, he, as he got older, he was the guy that uh, grew up in a Christian home. He memorized all the verses he was supposed to. I mean, he got every award he should. You know, the Sunday school back then used to give you awards, and his jacket was full of stuff. And he went to school and he became a, uh, to become a nurse, actually. And in the process, he uh, started to live out a little bit of his fantasy in the homosexual world. And uh, he contracted AIDS. And from that, the, the one person he called was my dad. And if you know me or my family, we're very conservative. It's interesting that he would call my dad. But he understood that my dad was somebody he could talk to. Because no matter how conservative you are, sin is sin, and it's going to hurt you, and we want to be there to help you when you need it. And he he talked to him, and he was really upset because they wouldn't let him in churches at that time. This was when AIDS just really started uh, getting uh, publicity. And uh, my dad told him, well, you plan on coming back and running our dishroom this summer, please. And, And it was the only time he ever got told that, that there was hope. In that sense. Well, he never made it because he died before he um, was ever able to come back. But I tell you something, there's, there's a picture of him hanging in our dishroom, and it's not because we want to honor him. It's because I want to remember that there was a young man one time working in our place that just would not talk about the things on his mind. We had no idea. He would not let us into his life. He would not tell us he was thinking things. He was either ashamed or he just didn't want to tell us. He didn't want to talk about it. And because of that, there's some things that you know, just went downhill for him, and eventually it was a pretty tragic scenario for him. And, and I so wish, as I look back, that he would have just come to me one day and said, You know, Dave, I am struggling with homosexual thoughts and ideas. I understand what the Bible says. I wish he would have let me talk to him about it. No matter what you are going through, do not be out there on your own. You need to find somebody who loves God. And if somebody reacts like, Oh, my goodness, don't even say that, then they're not the one you need to communicate with. Yeah. I mean, there's people out there that will listen to you. We have a hope line. I mean, you know, HopeNet 360, go talk to a coach. The thing that we have to stop is the idea that there's something so bad in me, something so wrong in me that I can't even talk to those who love God about it. Please do. You're not surprising God by what's going on in your life, and he still loves you tremendously. Please let him in on it and let us in on it, those who love God. Go to the hope line. Go to hopenet 360.com talk to a live coach and get the dialogue started and if you can't find somebody uh, contact us at hopenet 360.com and we and we will help you find somebody but don't go it alone
1: as Christians people in the church if if we have godly wisdom we really do have to do a better job at listening i've I've experienced it in my own life I've talked to people and and the thing that sometimes does set me back from you know talking to an adult when I was a kid was you know, a lot of times you, the the parent or the adult wanted to solve the problem. They wanted to give you the right answer and and how to fix it. And I can tell you, sometimes, I mean that that does help. But I think more often it's just if our, if we're just willing to listen, and that's the main thing tonight. So if you are an adult and you're someone who knows God, loves God, and uh, has been someone who may have had some people in their past come and talk with them and you're finding that they just haven't come back and asked for advice on different things you know the best thing you can do is instead of just talking and and speaking into them and telling them what to do and how to fix their stuff sometimes the best thing you can do is listen and just probe ask questions and our coaches do a great job of that you can connect with one right now at hopenet 360.com we're going to take a break here on the show we're gonna be back for the second half of our show here on HopeNet radio
0: Feel like nobody cares? We do. Hopenet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at Hopenet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave.
1: Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. We're chatting about if those who reach could touch. And in our life, we reach for a lot of different things. In our Western culture, in our American culture, we reach for a lot of stuff, a lot of things that we feel are going to bring us satisfaction, and purpose and security and significance and, So tonight we're talking about a lot of different things on that topic tonight. We'd love to hear your story, so make sure to connect with us. You can email us at hope at hopenet360.com. And if you've missed the first half of the show, make sure to go back and subscribe to our podcast. You can find details on that at hopenet360.com. All of our shows are there under the Radio and Topics tab, and you can listen to every single show. You can also hear our interview with Kristen Jane Anderson back in November that tells her story and a little bit more about her book. And so you might want to go and check that out. Hopenet360.com is where it's at. So tonight, Jeff, DW, Kyle, and Todd, and our special guest, Chris and Jane Anderson, as well as Michael Ott. He is here from the Green Bay Area, youth pastor in the area, and we're glad that you guys are here with us on the show. Todd, you had some really interesting thoughts. I remember a couple weeks ago, you said this quote, and it hasn't left my head. I've just tried to wrap my head around the significance, really, of God doesn't waste anything. Does that sound familiar to you?
3: Yeah, yeah. God doesn't waste anything in our lives. Everything that happens to us, whether we choose to, you know, make choices that are contrary to God's will, doesn't mean that God can't conform it to His will, which is growing us into the image of Christ. Part of just how God doesn't waste anything is I think a big part of our fulfillment needs to be um, realizing that um, we are also to encourage each other and to help others by her story like I think of Kristen's story of how now she's writing a book and just are, or wrote a book and how she's using her experience to help people um, just have hope and to be able to get through some of the struggles they're going through. I remember a time last year when I was just having a really really tough time in my life and a lot of things were very uncertain and I remember I'm um, the guy's RA here at Nicolay Bible Institute and I don't like being superficial and just surfacey with people. And so I remember going up and one of the student guys was sitting there and I just said, hey, how are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? And I didn't want to just say good because I just can't stand the whole like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah. Good. How are you doing? Good. You know, so I just said to him, I just said, you know, I've been having a really rough day. And he asked me what's what's going on. And I said, you know, there's a lot of things in my life right now that are just so uncertain. I don't know what I'm doing next year. I don't know what God's plan is for my life. The future is just so uncertain, and I'm really having a tough time with it. And he just kind of paused for a minute and just said, you know, that's encouraging to hear because I'm kind of in the same place. I don't know what I'm doing next year. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And we just sat down and had a really great conversation for over half an hour, and I just remember walking away thinking you know, how selfish of me to just think of things that I'm going through as my struggle when it could be somebody else's hope Um, because God doesn't waste anything. And I walked away thinking, you know, maybe God is allowing um, struggles in my life because he has a great plan for the student and he just needed to have that conversation. He just needed to realize that, you know, God does have a plan and a purpose because what I told him, I said, I'm having a rough day, but... I know that God has a plan and a purpose and that he's not going to waste anything. And so that's when we had the conversation about, you know, just what he was going to do with his future and how, um, you know, God has a plan. He has a purpose. And, you know, also, too, we were talking in between the break about, like, the book of Job. I recently finished reading that, and I just love how God is like, you know, I am God. I've got you. But at the end of the story of Job, God doesn't tell Job the backstory about how Satan came to him and accused him of, you know,, well, he only loves you because you make his life go great. So as far as we know, Job never found out why all those bad things happened to him, but so many people, I know I have been so encouraged by that book, just realizing that, you know, God has a plan and a purpose, and nothing just happens by accident, and he doesn't waste it. so:
1: Have you guys ever felt like God has wasted a moment in your life? with
5: what todd said is that goes along with the expectations thing as well because i think that we we at times wonder why god is doing something to us or why me god why why am i going through this hard time mm-hmm. and we expect like when we're walking with christ to have this perfect life well god could be using you in a bigger picture and that's why he's putting through you through the situation so i mean i think a lot of times we wonder why me god and In reality, we just need to think bigger picture.
1: Well, and I think, too, a lot of times we get confused and think that the whole purpose of life and the way that we need to – we need to live in a way that keeps us void of all pain. Like pain is something that we need to avoid. That's kind of an ascetic belief where you you really try to get away from anything that's painful because it's – pain is a bad thing. Mm And I don't necessarily I don't know that I agree with that. I think, you know, for those who who work out, weightlifting and all those things. I'm sure Mike, you're a pretty buff guy. You you probably do some kind of weightlifting exercise, workout kind of routine. There's got to be some kind of a pain. What is is pain really good for us, Mike, do you think? I think at times uh pain is good, sometimes it's bad. Uh, for instance,
6: you know, if I'm playing basketball uh, with some of the guys and stuff, and I feel something in my ankle or my knee, a lot of times I sit back and I, I test it, stretch it, see if it if it's like a significant pain that could be really bad for me down the road. Um, but if it's like muscles and stuff and they're sore, they'll they'll repair themselves, they'll grow back, and they'll grow back stronger. I
4: don't know how many have uh, suffered sports injuries. I know Kyle's a a, a lacrosse player. Is that right? Lacrosse? Yeah,
5: of
6: course.
4: Whatever lacrosse. that is. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's a lacrosse player. I, th- I thought they did that out east, but I, I find out we do that here too. Yeah, well, um, they do. But when you get an injury and you're getting and you're going into rehab, everybody that's been in rehab knows there's there's this thing called good pain, and and it's the very thing that you need to go through in order to be healthy. And the doctor or the whoever those people are, the rehab people, <laughs> uh, they they will explain which is good and which is bad. And, and sometimes it's hard. To me, it feels like pain, like all the time. And yet there is bad pain too. I, I remember once I was at a hip operation. I was trying to learn how to walk again. And the, you know they, they were saying, no, that's good pain. And then the doctor or whoever looked at my face and said, no, that's bad pain. And, and I thought, how in the world do you know? Uh, but he was right. It switched to something. He said, no, that the one pain you felt will actually hurt you you know, if you want to go beat your head on a rock and, and you get pain then you get up and go, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, I don't think that's what's happening there. I, I think that's bad pain right there. But there's good pain as well. There are things that happen because it causes us to grow or others to grow, like Job or like Todd was talking about. So I, th- I think people need to differentiate between the two and not really run away from pain because pain can be your friend.
1: Yeah. Kristen, you have – I mean your story is one that's filled with a lot of different types of pain. There's this common thought in our culture, I've heard it said before, I don't know if it's biblical or true, but there's a a quote that comes to mind that says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. And you went through a lot of bad pain. I mean, your story changed from that moment on. And you know, you had a lot of emotional pain, you had even some physical pains in your life, things that you experienced that you don't want other people to experience and shouldn't have to experience. Mm -hmm. There are probably some good pain things that you went through as well, but how did you cope with that? How did you deal with it? What what got you through that? And, and how did you resolve not to give up, you know, even a second time because of, you know, the the real, real pain in your life?
2: Well, that's a very big question. I um, I obviously had a lot of emotional pain and physical pain. I think it was very hard for me to have now on top of my emotional pain all sorts of physical pain and trials. And being able to accept that was a painful in and of itself. I was given a book by somebody called Where is God When It Hurts by Philip Yancey. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge blessing in my life because I was going through a surgery. Um, They were trying to lengthen a bone in one of my legs. And I was in a hospital bed for eight months and I was in a lot of pain. And Mm -hmm. I I just didn't understand why I had to be so hard, why I had to be so painful. And this book helped me understand how God was using my pain to help me reach for him, to help me see him, to help me... Um, growing my relationship with him, to see his faithfulness, to feel his comfort, to mm-hmm. a- even just to know when something was wrong, to realize that pain could be a blessing and a gift in that way. And there's stories in the Bible, people who had leprosy, who didn't, couldn't feel pain, and how they were hurt worse because they didn't have this warning sign. And I just think about that in mm-hmm. terms of my life as a teenager, I was feeling pain. And that was like a warning sign of, of the, the things that I was doing and the choices that I was making and the things that I was trusting in and if I would have just taken those warnings seriously, and sought help on mm. a professional level and most importantly from God I think I would have found um, everything yeah. I was looking for
1: Yeah, well, we're going to have to pick up this conversation when we come back again. Make sure to connect with us. If you need to chat with a live coach right now, if there's something that's painful that's going on in your life and you need to talk to somebody, now is a great time to do that. You can go to HopeNet360.com, click on the Talk to a Live Coach button. Chat with a live coach now. You're not alone, and this is the show where conversations save lives. We'll be back here on HopeNet Radio.
0: If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show. Hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Welcome back to Hope Net Radio. Jeff DW, Kyle, Todd, Kristen Jane Anderson is back with us on the show. Michael Ott, who's a youth pastor in the area, and we're excited that you've joined us on the show. Make sure to go back and catch the whole show if you've missed any part of it tonight. Or if you want to share this with your friend, we would love for you to do that. Go to Hopenet360.com and there you can find the links to subscribe to our podcast, to listen to all the past episodes, and to catch all of Kristen's story back in November. That's all there and more at Hopenet360.com. So Dave, we were talking about how pain in our life is, it's really an indicator of something. Kristen's been there. She has such an amazing story. Again, grab that show later on. Tonight, listen to our podcast and check out her story. But uh, incredible things that we can go through and actually live through and how God actually will use pain to bring us to a point of either discovering him, finding out who he is, you know, getting us to change. I think there's a pain that we oftentimes think we need to avoid pain in our life. But the reality is I think sometimes the pain that we've experienced in our life does help us to get to where we need to be. So uh, Dave, help us understand more of this pain concept.
4: You know, I I think that in our culture, we are so – dependent upon our medical system that basically treats things. And then we we start doing the same thing. For example, if I go into the doctor and I say I have a headache, he basically says, well, take ibuprofen or aspirin or something like that. But very seldom does he ask, well, let's figure out why you have the headache. Pain that we have in our life, we we can have a choice what to do with it. We can just dull it. We, We can just make it so it doesn't hurt as bad. Or we can figure out why it's there. And as Todd talked about earlier, sometimes the pain in our life is going to be there for a good reason, for Job or the story Todd gave us or something. uh, And sometimes uh, it's because we've done something we shouldn't, and it's an indicator to stop. Because, you know, if I put my hand on a hot burner, I'm going to have pain. And it's like, don't do that. Uh, So the pain is an indicator there. One of the things that scares me, though, is that if people um, have so much pain in their life, and they give up hope, and they keep trying to just minimize the pain. Eventually, they, they just go numb. They just pretend it doesn't exist anymore, and they don't respond to it. Uh, pain needs to be responded to. The numbness is something we're not created to do. I've had several operations in hospitals, and I think they were in hospitals I was sleeping. But in the, in the process of being operated on, I always found it uh, very humiliating to be operated on. I mean, they they end up just taking like all your clothes off, and you're laying there, and it's cold, and I don't even know what they're talking about after a while because you're out of it. And, you know, the only way I I dealt with it when I'm in the hospital is just go numb. I just go numb like, whatever, do whatever you want. I want to get out of here. The thing is, that's a coping mechanism. POWs, uh, prisoners of war, have told me that that's how they got through their experience. They just had to go numb because they just needed to endure it. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. God didn't make us to endure life. He made us to live life and he wants us to live it abundantly. So, so we're missing out something on, on there. So I, I think if, if you are one listening and you have gone numb, in other words, you, you just accept the pain and you just try and dull it, maybe you should try listening to it and see why it came. And, and maybe use it for something to either correct an action, which we can do, or, or to actually see how it's making you a better person. But, but to go numb is not good. God didn't make you that way. Nobody should just endure life. It isn't for just coping. We, we need to have life and have it more abundantly. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I think it makes sense. I actually have this picture on my phone that I recently posted on Facebook that I kind of want to share. It, it says, when life is sweet, say thank you and celebrate. And when life is bitter, say thank you and grow. And I think it's a huge stepping stone to get to the point in your life when you realize that you can grow through the painful things that happen in your life and that that is really one of the purposes, that God allows these painful things to happen in our lives. So mm-hmm. I have that on my phone just to encourage myself when I'm going through hard times.
4: Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great saying. I, I really do. I think that's something, again, pain is there for a reason. Let's find it and not just mm-hmm. dull it.
6: Looking over some of the thoughts about, you know, the aspects of touch. You know, I've worked with a lot of teenagers and stuff, and uh, I was sharing uh, on break a little bit about a story of a teenager uh, There's a second-generation uh, Chinese kid. And uh, in the Chinese culture and the Asian culture, a lot of times touch is um, not something that is... Uh, uh, Therefore, um, their culture. And uh, here I got this kid who's living in America uh, that sees other uh, teenagers getting hugged on and loved. And uh, it was really hard for him to cope. He's a 13 year old trying to just figure out things. And uh, sometimes in my life, you know, I, as I was thinking, you know, or even reflecting in my life, you know, my dad uh, works six days a week and, uh, I didn't see him a lot, and I found ways to try to uh, create an environment. In fact, um, I was probably a little chubby kid as a middle schooler, and I picked up cross country and uh, track because my dad was a runner. Um, and that was a lot of pain, <laughs> to be honest with you. I ended up running cross-country and track in uh, high school and stuff. And, you know, it led into college and I ran some ultra marathons and basically beat up my body. But that aspect was just to build a relationship with my dad. You know, every time I go back home to visit him in Pennsylvania, that hug is probably something that I look forward to every time I go back because, I, you know, I long for that connection with him. And he was a great dad and everything. But I was trying to earn his respect and earn uh, his attention, and I found ways to do it. And that, you know, was a positive thing to do was go run. And uh, it was something that I build a connection with him. We talk about it all the time. But I look back as that was a way for me to express myself as I try to figure out as a teenager, uh, my family. And, you know, touch is a big thing. You Mm -hmm. know, I look forward to that hug every time I go home.
4: Let me ask you this question, Mike. The young man that you were talking about who saw others get hugged but he wasn't hugged it, was he in pain over that
6: yeah you could see a lot of times when you look into somebody's eyes you can see it affects them um you see um other kids being hugged and stuff and you sit back and he did not understand like if he you know grew up back home uh where his family uh, originated from um everybody else does that exact same thing but being in a different place different culture, different um, circumstances. Yeah, it, it made him an outsider, it made him yeah. a little different.
4: Well, here's the deal, though. I bet you that he did not talk to you about that. You saw it in him, right?
6: Yeah. You you know, based yeah, you on saw the, it. the eyes. Yep. Okay. And then,
4: uh, That's what we're talking about. I mean, there's pain out there. and And the interesting thing is, young men, young women, they just swallow it and say, well, there must be something wrong with me then because I you know, I'm not getting hugged or whatever, but they won't talk about it. And the, the young man I mentioned earlier who had who died of AIDS, you know, I'm not talking about it. There, there's pain being different. There's, I'm not going to talk about it. Man, there is so many things that can be solved if you would talk about it. I mean, that's it. You, you, you know, the young man could be standing there and, and his dad standing there and them not hugging, them not touching. And that's what we're talking about. Both of them are reaching out at that point in their own culture, but they're not touching. And, and they're just not getting it together, you know. And, and what we're saying is, you know what, if you feel that way, if, you're, if you have these feelings, talk to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. Talk to your mom. Talk to your dad. And, and, and don't be afraid to do that because we have to or we're not going to be connecting like we should. And there'll be pain out there in a different way then.
1: Yeah, and I know there's a lot of young people who grow up. I think the difficulty with children who grow up in a home where – There's not a lot of hugs. There's not a lot of physical touch. I mean, I know from experience, I know from uh, reading, there's a fantastic book out there about the five love languages, and it talks about one of them being physical touch. But there's a lot of young people that I know of, who is especially, this is probably the case with a lot of dads, they don't have that physical touch. And I think a lot of what happens in our culture today, you know, when you talk about sexual abuse and you talk about promiscuous relationships and all this, you've got people who are reaching out and saying, you know, the way that I feel affirmed is through physical touch, but I never was shown an appropriate way to do that. So the only way we can do it because of our nature, because of our, the problem that we have with sin and, our own bend towards self-indulgence. One of the problems that we have, if we don't get a, a correct or an appropriate form of love and affection from our parents. We're shown something that becomes, you know, normal is that there's a lack of that. But then inside we're feeling like, I want that. I mean, I desire physical touch and affirmation. And so that's where we begin to search for it in all the wrong places. That's where, you know, especially with families who have daughters, uh, where there are young girls in the family and they grow up without a dad. I think that's where you find where there's a lot of young girls who are searching for a man's love. And they're trying to find it in those words of affirmation, in that physical touch, in the gifts and all those things. But because they didn't have some male in their life who showed them appropriate forms of touch and affection, Now it's trying to find that, and unfortunately, there are a lot of guys, a lot of guys who are willing to take advantage of that, and we talked about that last week on the show with human trafficking. There's a lot of young women who are out there today who, because they've lacked that in their life, now they're searching for it in all the wrong places. They're finding that physical touch, but there's an abuse. There's a a reach that's going in the complete wrong direction. And so tonight, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've grown up without a dad in your life. Maybe you've been to places where there was an abuse in your, in your past. And there's a history of that. And the point of this show is always to remind you that no matter what broken pieces are in your life, Kristen's a great example of this, that God can take broken pieces and he can make something new and something beautiful from it. And so that's, that's the message tonight on the show. So if you're listening and you're in that same boat tonight, I want to encourage you to start the conversation, to talk to a live coach tonight, visit HopeNet360.com. We're going to take a break here on the show and we'll be wrapping up the show when we come back here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Love Hope Net Radio? Stay in contact all week long at <laughs> hopenet360.com. This is Hope Net Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome
1: back to HopeNet Radio. We're glad you joined us tonight. We're wrapping up the show, but of course, we still have some time for your comments and your emails. You can email us anytime you want on podcast or live during the show. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com or get on Facebook or Twitter right now. Go and like our page, HopeNet360. Message us there. Share on our wall. Whatever you want to do, mention us. We'd love to hear from you tonight. And also visit our community on Tumblr at csl.hopenet360.com. There you can submit a question anonymously. anonymous you can share your story with us we would love to hear your story and maybe give you some perspective on things you can ask us anything you want to and and we may cover it on the show we may not we'll just respond to you either way so uh tonight we're wrapping up the show with kristen jane anderson jeff and dw with you kyle and todd and another special guest we've got michael Ott, a youth pastor here with us in studio and kristen i know as we were talking before we went into the break a lot to think about, you know, this touch, what that means to young women today. As you were a young girl growing up, was your dad someone who gave hugs and and showed affirmation and affection or?
2: My dad did, but it wasn't the same way that my mom did. He was still kind of distant. He he didn't talk to me as much as she did. I wished that I could have a better relationship with him growing up. So I did have sort of an empty feeling there. Um, And I didn't realize this, but I think I tried to fill that by relationships with friends and boyfriends, um, however I could. I mean, I didn't really realize at all that's what I was doing, but I know that I felt more special and more loved and more known if I had a boyfriend. I felt like I was more important. I felt like I didn't need to be so insecure, and that was a big mistake that I made, thinking that a boyfriend could fix those kind of issues that I felt inside. And it was really just a Band-Aid. It was a temporary solution to a deeper problem that I really needed to find the real answer to. You
4: know, I just have a theory on on, on that. The idea that, you know, moms give birth to children and boy, they're connected. They are just connected. So, you know, my wife is connected to my kids like unbelievable. I did not give birth to them. I know I I have no idea what that feels Mm -hmm. like. I have no idea what it is to be one with them. I think that just naturally dads need to really reach out and actually touch those they love. Because moms will do that. They will do it in different ways that, that we can't. And the men that are listening, you have to make an effort to make sure that your children, mm-hmm. in the love language that, the, that, that they have, that you make sure they understand your love for them and your concern for them. And, and young people, if, if that's not happening in your life, you need to really talk to mom about it or somebody else and, and start having some really positive influences in your life of men that are older Uh, in your life that will be affirming you in the right way, because uh, it it is very critical, I think, and very important to understand there are different roles. And I think those roles are just natural. And and we need to understand why, you know, I think sometimes moms feel bad because we're saying, oh man, you know, the absence of a father is huge or whatever. You know, the absence of a mom is huge too. Uh, However, the mom has this connection that's different Mm -hmm. than dads do. There's something unspoken said to a child when dad comes and gives him a hug and says, I'm proud of you. That's a little different than mom. And I think we just need to recognize that. And men, don't, don't minimize mm-hmm. what God can do through you by showing somebody that you love them and care for them in a pure and honest way.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. I have another theory as well. It could kind of mess with some of your theology and that, or maybe it just fits in there. But the Bible talks about these things called generational curses and i think one of the difficult things when i look at that and i think are there you know when the israelites were living in, and the bible talks about these generational curses you know you kind of think of like you know maybe some kind of vexes you think of like witchcraft and you think of curses um kind of stuff but as i look in today's culture and i think about the lack of dads in a lot of teenagers lives children's lives, you know, the whole fatherhood. Um, I know there's some movements on bringing fatherhood back to the forefront and actually talk about this, but I think there are a lot of generational curses that have to do with appropriate touch and appropriate affection from fathers and being fathers who are not afraid of this stigma that now comes associated. Because I think when you talk about touch and you talk about, you know, fathers reaching out and touching their children, all of a sudden you think inappropriate. You think of abuse. You think like... You know, sexual abuse, these kinds of things, like all the news stories that you hear, the headlines, it's always about inappropriate touch. It's about inappropriate relationships. It's about sexual misconduct, all of these things. And I think we're missing dads in our culture today that – do know how to show affection and who are probably uh, people who have experienced a a gap there in their own lives where they didn't have a dad that had affection. So there's kind of this generational curse of dads not knowing how to show appropriate affection to their children because they weren't modeled that growing up. There was a disconnect there. And I think you saw a lot of that coming out of World War II and the World War era and all that. Um, I've seen that in my own life. I had a dad who was a great dad, but kind of like you, Mike, there was that, whenever I got affirmation from my dad, it was like, I, I would take all I got from him because it was like that was it was sparse in a way you know it was like my love language was a little bit more physical touch or words of affirmation like good job a lot of times I would get done with a a soccer game and I you know I'd get in the van and you know I'm exhausted I just played my guts out my dad was like you know you guys did good except you could have just kicked the ball you know Hmm. grass high and passed and you got you would have scored more goals and you're like but I just played my whole heart out but I heard him say you guys did a good job and that was like I grabbed onto that but you know what I don't know. Does that does that make sense? Is, is this a generational curse thing or is this just something that's just more of like a lack of fatherhood? What do you guys think?
4: No, I, I think you're right, Jeff. I, I honestly think that there are generational curses or sins. And uh, in the, I'm a product of a man who broke the generational sins. He, he did because his whole life, his before him were alcoholics who beat their kids and that kind of thing. And I never even saw my dad get violent. And, and he went the other way. Christ is the answer. He can change things. And we need to start recognizing the pain of, of the relationships that are being destroyed. And we as men need to step up to the table and say, I am going to learn how to relate better. And I usually tell men, if you don't know how to relate better, go ask your wife and just sit there and be quiet for a minute, because they probably know and, and you need to talk to them about it. But we do need to make an effort at trying to relate to the people in our families and take ownership of the pain that's there sometimes, because maybe it's there because they are trying to perform for us, and we're not paying attention, and we shouldn't uh, make them perform for us. We should be there and giving them our love as Christ gave us his love, and uh, we need to uh, mimic that to our own families.
6: Yeah, I think it's very valid on the aspect that uh, dad in your life is very important. There's a lot of a lot of teenagers that, you know, don't have that, you know, and I understand that. And uh, a lot of times I remember hearing that girls look for love in the wrong places because dad wasn't in their life. I think it goes for the male generation too the, the sons and the daughters. Uh, and we might cope with it different. But we're looking for that leadership. We're looking for that, that man in our life to to lead us. And as a as a guy, we look for somebody to teach us. What does it mean to be a man? How should I act? And and sadly, a lot of us grow up and we don't have that. And so we spend a long time trying to define exactly what that should look like. Kristen?
2: You know, I was just thinking a lot about um, the physical touch thing and the positive touch and how even if we didn't have an earthly father who loved us and understood us or listened to us or cared for us the way that we would have liked Um, or we would still like, we definitely always have a Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us and reaches out every time that we need it. He's always there. And I love how there's... Different stories in the Bible that can encourage us. There was one woman who needed to be healed. She was really struggling in her life. And as Jesus was going from healing one young man to a young girl, she reached out and touched him and she wasn't going to let anything get in her way. She was going to make sure she got the healing and the help from Jesus that she needed. So I just want to encourage everyone listening, no matter how they're feeling, no matter what kind of father or mother. They've had to reach out to him because he is where their help is, that he is where their hope is. He is where everything they're looking for is.
4: I'm just enjoying what Kristen just said because Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. You know, it's not like he's going to hide. We have to be, uh, take a little initiative and say, okay, God, I want to find you. And I promise you this, that if you look for God, if you open the Bible, you talk to somebody who loves him, and you look for him, he promises you'll find him. And that's your answer, as Kristen said, right there. That's the answer. We weren't made to live without him.
5: He's there. He loves you. He cares about you. And he's someone that you will always be able to depend on. And that can't be said about anybody else in this world. And I think that that's extremely valuable.
1: Awesome. Well, this conversation is going to continue online. Go to our Facebook page, HopeNet360 is where it's at. Make sure to check out our podcast and share this with somebody. I can guarantee you something we talked about tonight is going to impact their lives. You can find our podcast and all of our shows at HopeNet360.com. For all of us, for Jeff, Dave, Kyle, Todd, Kristen Jane Anderson, Michael Ott, it's Jeff saying so long. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'll see you guys online and next week. See ya. Bye, Bye.
5: guys. Goodbye you